0: Hey, Victor here. So glad you could join us this week on our Hero Initiative podcast. I hope you have been enjoying getting to know our authors as they share about what they were inspired by when writing the devotional. Before we launch into this week's episode, I want to encourage you to sign up for our Serve Day. This weekend, September 14th, our church will gather together and go out and serve the community. It isn't too late to activate your superpowers and go out and be the hero that God created you to be. So sign up on our church app or email Pastor Justin. His email is justin at cypresschurch.net. This week, we're going to hear from one of our authors, Patsy. Without spoiling too much of the episode, Patsy shares some great stories about her life, her passions, and how God has helped her grow. The other person we're going to be hearing from is Nick, and Nick is actually one of the leaders in the church. The one thing I can say about this is that I was floored about all the details about George Washington, and I feel like I went through a history class, but in a good way. Well, enough talking from me. Here's our conversation with Patsy and Nick.
1: Hi, this is Pastor Justin. It is good to be back with you on our All Church Focus podcast. We're on week four, so hopefully you're navigating through the devotional and you are enjoying your time in that and Sunday mornings and hopefully plugged into a life group as well and really building some relationships and growing in this heart of service, which is really what we want to see accomplished in this All Church Focus this time around. And we have a really interesting topic today. Um, We are talking about the idea of submission and how that pertains to a life of service. Um, and and that makes sense. But when it moves into the heroic, it's a little more difficult. So um, we'll get into that. I, I kind of got into that too early, actually. So I, we'll get into that. But first, we've got different guests each week. And so uh, most of the time, I'm here every week and Victor's here every week. Say hi, Victor. Hello. <laughs> Victor is our worship pastor, as as many of you know, and so we also have Nick and Patsy here. So, Patsy, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Why you think I roped you in here, and I'll correct you if need be. But um, <laughs> tell us a little bit about who you are, what you do. Tell well, us about those grandchildren. Like
2: to think you roped me in because I'm brilliant. <clears throat> that is exactly but, it. And no correction uh, necessary. Usually <laughs> it's because I'm married to the right person, but I think um, hopefully it's because you see me as a person who loves Jesus and hungers to grow and I think um, since I, I was saved as a sophomore in high school and I think um, although we're all called to evangelize and witness uh, that is happens to be uh, a gifting God's given me and so it's kind of right out there mm. and uh, I feel honored to be able to share in writing some of the things that uh, are important to me and uh, I think submission is um, something that's challenging for all of us but i i kind of feel honored and i think people have it mixed up so cool. i was really kind of excited good i look forward to, hear, to, look yes, forward to right. hearing more as far on as, that. as a person uh, relationally i'm uh, a wife uh, i've been married 50 years to terry wow. it's a big year yeah and i'm a grandma of six a mother of four wow i guess that's backwards uh, my husband always said uh, if he knew grant being grandparent was so much fun he'd have forgot about the being a parent but anyway um, uh, with that uh, I've also uh, my career professionally I've been an educator and it's just kind of an extension of being a mom and uh, uh, started in middle school and ended up staying there because I'm married to a middle schooler and uh, I've lived through years of middle school in my home so anyway retired 11 years about eight years ago, and managed to keep my fingers in the in the education pie by supporting student teachers, and it's just the
3: cherry on a Sunday. Really enjoy Great. it.
1: Awesome. Good. Nick, what about you? Tell us your story.
3: My story? Well, um, as far as Cypress Church goes, I'm in my 10th year in children's ministry, uh, my 12th year overall at the church, and uh, discipling under you for the last few years, guest preaching at the branch from time to time. Um, my background in history, my bachelor's degree from Cal State Fullerton is part of why I'm here today. Um, and uh, I've been married for only 10 years. You're on your way. you got to p- do 10 before 50. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> uh, my beautiful wife, Hannah, and my two kids, Samuel and Emma. And um, just looking forward to discussing what it means to submit to god and and be his servant and using some examples throughout history that we can look to some people some heroes that we can look to that uh really showed what it means to to give all of themselves to a specific cause Mm -hmm. that's great
2: can i add something else about me of course Uh, it's something that i don't think i talk about much because it's rather new but uh my husband and I just finished seminary a few months ago and everybody's asked me so what are you going to do what are you going to do and you know I didn't really have any go with any purpose just that I got to tag along and uh, I think I feel excited that my love for God's grown and I really do think that there's things that you that schooling's helped you articulate me articulate better and um, I'm just excited to be able to talk with people period
1: yeah that's great i I,
2: and you're never too old to go to school so you can learn that i was
1: just that's where i was going to go just on a side there was i i i felt like for me some of my schooling was wasted on the young you know like Mm -hmm. i went through stuff and i lacked you know either wisdom or i didn't see what is supply to and now i'm like man i wish i would have paid attention then Mm -hmm. because now you see just Mm -hmm. how different scenarios pop up and so i think that's that's super cool that you guys have gone through that and uh and gone through it together what a great exactly it was
2: well actually when we were on the platform at graduation i looked over at terry and his lip was quivering a Mm. little bit Uh, it was we both he said i was afraid to say in case it hurt my feelings but he said it was as important as our our wedding day that wow. But he was thinking of a Stephen Curtis Chapman song that says, If it wasn't for God's mercy and his grace, we wouldn't be here in this place. Hmm. But because of his because he's been faithful and true, something like that, here we are together. Hmm. Uh, it's something like that. Yeah. Look up the song, it's great. Yeah. But anyway, it was it was a God thing, it really was. That's good.
1: And he wouldn't have got there because you drug him across the line with Greek. I hear.
2: Yeah, I still have my vocab words next to my yeah, my good, chair. Good. His are buried someplace.
0: Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, sure, he didn't burn them.
2: That's that's possible. <laughs> that's possible.
0: That's great. Oh, good. Okay, so
1: we are talking about submission, and I mentioned that earlier. And one of the challenging things, as I'm, I, I kind of, I wrote not kind of, I wrote the intro pieces to each week, and so I was looking you know we talk about perseverance and and soon we'll look at that and oh mother Teresa just dealt with so much need and that clear you know identity I am spider-man you know um or I think you know the video of superman grappling with his identity they're really those fit the superhero thing and then I'm thinking submission and I'm like heroes don't submit they conquer you know And, and so I really was at a loss and I think I was just Googling stuff. And I ran across an article that talked about, um, George Washington. And the quote that caught my eye was from King George. And it was the guy who was, I think, painting a portrait of him. I, I wish I remembered, but I, I forget now, but, um, he said, well, what's he going to do? And he's like, well, he's just going to go to his farm. And then the response was, if he does that, he'll be the greatest man in the world. This idea that, Powerful men don't surrender power, and mm. I just thought, oh man, that's 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 it. We're gonna we're gonna go with mm-hmm. that. Wow, um, Nick, you're you're here because you're kind of the history buff. Right. Um, what uh, take that concept and run with it? You know what that meant both with presidency and also
3: right. And in, in actuality, that was years of Washington learning what it meant to submit. It wasn't the first instance. It was kind of the. <clears throat> the culmination in fact when the when the uh revolutionary war had first started washington had basically gotten decimated in long island and mm-hmm. he had to retreat and keep his Continental army alive and for the rest of the war he was fascinated with and just determined to take back new york Mm -hmm. But what he learned along the way was that wasn't how he was going to win. But personally, it was very difficult for him to let that go. Mm. And and then secondly, he felt that Philadelphia needed to be defended. And while he was defending, attempting to rescue Philadelphia from the British, that is when the Battle of Saratoga took place which was a huge victory for the Continental Army. So at that point, he felt there was a little bit of uh, disappointment that he wasn't part of that Sar- Saratoga mm-hmm. campaign, okay. a little bit of jealousy. But what he learned at that point was Philadelphia wasn't as important as he felt it was. He, he knew it was the capital. He was getting pressure from uh, from the political scene to to rescue Philadelphia, but... There was no strategic advantage other than it's the capital mm. uh, so he had to let that go another instance of submission so he, he let that go and then down the road he or throughout the war he also felt that that we should have a big battle mm-hmm. we should have a battle I should lead my troops as the general and we shall face the British And we should win. We should be victorious. Mm. And all of his counselors, all of his top generals, his top officer corps, they said, if we do that, we're going to be in trouble. Mm. And so the submission on that angle was they had to basically George Washington had to embrace guerrilla tactics Mm. and Fabian warfare Mm. and harass the British. And it was just another example of him having to put his own vision, his own ego, aside and do what was best for the cause and how we were going to win. Hmm. And that all eventually leads up to Yorktown, the victory. And here he is, the commander-in-chief with all the power, and even a section of the of the uh, government was supportive of him taking the reins, supportive of him becoming so-called monarch or king. And he, he understood uh, the republic and what it was going to take to maintain this this brand-new idea of liberty and freedom, and that that wasn't the way it was going to succeed, that it was only going to succeed if it was a representative government and a republic, and therefore he said, I'm retiring to Mount Vernon.
1: And this is after the war.
3: This That was after this the war. This is the yeah. first
1: one. His first retirement. Right. Like, right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which that was that was interesting to me is it wasn't he did it twice. He he could have been immediately the right king as the re- leader of the army and then he could have been president as long as he wanted to. And
3: no professional politicians at that
1: point. Yeah. Yeah. Keep going. I, I I just... No, no, that's, that's fine.
3: <clears throat> it's, it's correct. Well, he had actually three retirements. Okay. Because uh, early in his day when he was involved in the French and Indian War, he was commanding the Virginia Regiment. When that campaign had ended, that was his first retirement from, from military service. And he had headed... Uh, that's when he went home to Mount Vernon, married Martha, and began to kind of develop Mount Vernon and his... Uh, his amassing more quantities of land. And that was at that point when Washington started to see the burden of the crown mm. and the advantage that the British were taking of the American colonies, of their finances, and this whole notion of, you know, breaking away from Britain's rule and becoming independent. And all those notions of, of liberty and freedom and justice were just brewing in him. And it basically, in a way, it was, it was his finances that were being affected the most that kind of made him say, question everything that had been going on. And so when ideas of revolution started to, to foment and the Stamp Act and all these other taxes that were coming down from, from the crown, when it came time to select a general it, it was virtually unanimous because of his experience in the French and Indian War. the fact that, as the American colonies, there was no standing army mm-hmm. so who who else would we turn to it mm-hmm. was a, it was a simple simple choice hmm. that's great that's fascinating <laughs>
1: that was all did you did you have to study up or did you that just Flow, it was a little bit of study. A little about. bit of study. <laughs> right, good for you. It was good a prepared for you. statement. Shoot. Yeah, that was
0: awesome. <laughs> yeah.
1: Um, yeah, Patsy. Anything? I mean, you're an educator. Anything you want to add or ask, even um, uh, in in all of that there?
2: Oh, I'm fascinated to think about um, Washington's submission. I think it it mirrors the reality that putting ourselves, often we lose sight of the big picture. Mm-hmm. And this is just an example of why he was what he was, is that mm-hmm. he was able to see the big picture at the expense of his personal things. Yeah. And that's yeah. probably what this is all about today.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, I think that's a good way of framing mm-hmm. to submission, because we right. just, I mean, I hadn't thought of any of that. I thought of him kind of surrendering his role. But even when you're in your role, to to transfer that or to say, okay, yeah, I'm the obvious choice to be commander in chief. Mm. And you want me to listen to these yahoo's like I know how to do this, but he had that. Um Patsy, you've been um principal high-level professional in oh, the educational high level. level? Yes. Hey, that's <laughs> principals, man. That's you didn't want to go. That was the boss, right? Oh, so, true. um I mean, how, how, do you see this show up in in your career? How have you've had to navigate this yeah, both a and lead- in
2: a in a um not a tenuous place, but um, a balancing act because you want to protect and watch out for your staff and what's being asked of them and what their needs are. And yet the district that's above you is making financial and educational decisions. And so you've got to dance their dance and yet watch out. And um, I think the biggest thing is to be transparent. And my guess is Washington had a great relationship with his men uh, they wouldn't have trusted his changes. Um, I mean, he's changing as he goes. Very much so. And I think a principal is honored when she says, uh, "This is, this is coming from down. Let's figure out how to make it work." And um, so, and I think that's true of life. You're, n- most all of us have to answer to somebody. Mm-hmm. You know. Right.
1: Yeah. Have you had ever had to navigate? You know, it's one thing when it's coming down from the district or mm-hmm. the state mm-hmm. to say, "Hey, teachers, let's." Let's work this together. It's another thing when there's, there's you know, rebellion in the ranks potentially yes. oh. where you've had to um, navigate that and kind of
2: let them I don't think lead. until you're a leader do you ever experience that. Yeah. Because I, when I was a, when a teacher for many years, uh, I, I usually got along with my principals, and I probably ate lunch with the teachers that were happy to be there. And so I really didn't know there was such a— Uh, a grumbling unhappy spirit among people and it's it's unfortunate but it's probably in every walk of life and um uh it's uh I felt it it was like a a Mack truck actually hitting me when I was a principal um shocking uh that there was meanness and um uh how to manage that and um I actually think it made me a little sick Mm, uh, I actually got physically ill okay. and um but it 's just because it was I was unexpected and unprepared, mm-hmm. but it it grows you up, it yeah. really grows yeah, you yeah. up and i I appreciate all that I learned yeah. as a leader
0: yeah, um, it sounds like also in relation to George Washington um the way you talked about he kind of felt that burden and he started to realize the toll that it would take on him uh, in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. I think Patsy, you experienced that too, which physically and somatically just exerted itself in physical symptoms I think for me as a I think what I'm year three into being a full-time pastor that's something that i've had to learn which is the the kind of growing up quickly that not only you have expectations from uh, maybe your supervisors or people that are above you um, whether it's vision direction but you also have to have good relationships with the people that you're taking care of as mm-hmm. a leader they don't just say sir yes sir i'll go wherever you go you don't almost, you wish <laughs> yeah, well, actually nice? it's
2: nice when you get the feed when there's trust that you can have right. feed, good feedback but yeah. in general it's nice to all be heading in the same direction.
0: Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But it takes time in it relationship. Does. And I think George Washington, you said, um, you know, he was favored and loved among his men. And I think mm-hmm. that builds trust in, in putting that direction forward.
3: Right. Right. And in Washington, to throw this in, I mean, he's he's dealing with some extreme harsh conditions as far as winter. We all, we've all we all heard the winter of Valley Forge. Mm-hmm. And oh, you have troops that are short on food. Uh A humongous amount of troops that had no shoes right and yet they were all in this together Washington Mm. was in this together and he throughout his his personal correspondence with with uh, friends other generals his wife um, always viewed his troops in the Continental Army as just the most amazing people in his entire life that he ever worked with Uh, and he dealt with those grumblings, mm-hmm. what we would we may think very harshly, but it is the late eighteenth century. Uh, if there was deserters or attempted desertion or insubordination, it was met with a swift hand. Mm-hmm. Sometimes oh, it was met with with hangings or or imprisonment or whatnot. But he understood that where they were headed and the goal they were getting to, and to protect. The army and the idea and the morale, what needed to be done, needed to be done. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow.
2: I think in any situation, you want everybody accountable. Mm. The people yeah. that, are, that are doing what they're supposed to be doing, nothing's more demoralizing than those that don't hold up the ship.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. That's great. Um, what do you think, and this can go to either of you, but what's happening internally as you specifically not that I don't care about you Nick but you've got this insight into George Washington that, I, that I'm, I'm interested in terms of how he's processing all of this because you had mentioned how his mind's changing but is there anything at work in him that's helping him is it his wife is it the scripture What what is helping him have this insight that he does need to humble himself and submit himself to this bigger thing and Patsy for you and is also what, what was that like you know, as you're navigating this and you're getting physically ill, how did how did you navigate it? I mean, you, you know, you got through it, but what did God use to get you through it and help you become effective, not just in that time, but you're still training teachers and still involved even today? Um, is that...
2: <clears throat> well my physicalness i'll just say i had bypass surgery so it sounds drastic but i was probably heading that way if i'd had 15 more years anyway it just mm-hmm. hurried the situation yeah okay. and i think in all these things whether it's failure or success god if you're seeking the lord he just uses all of it so um i mean i have some uh colleagues from that time period that are still dear friends um and we built relationships and there's some that Uh, I even actually wrote a note to one person that worked with me uh, to apologize because I knew I had to contribute to that in some way, and I didn't know, but she was—we left with her bitter, and she at this point still didn't take that. But I feel like, you know, you either move on and learn from all that, Um, but I think uh, the biggest part is— seeking god to figure out what's this all about and i it grew me it truly grew me up because the things i learned there i could uh, put into my home life um you know you're you're a mother of little kids you run the world uh you're a teacher in a room of 38 kids you run the world well you have a staff of 38 adults you don't run the world and so it was a it i thank the lord that um he knows when to give you something that helps you see a bigger picture and reveals something you need for future, because that's, I think that's why I'm a, I, I coach um, uh, administrative candidates. Once they're in a position, they are required to have two years of coaching, and I have a dear friend who's a retired assistant, Soup, who has a training company and put me on to a couple of... Of administrative candidates that are in job, and I'm coaching. Who would have thought a person with as minimal? I only was a principal for six years, and so I had been an AP before that. But it was a pretty fast track. I was 36 when I started teaching, so it's bang bang. But anyway, um, with that in mind, uh, it's been I think the hardships that have make me a more valuable coach hmm. and mentor. So yeah, that's great. And it doesn't happen. It it's a process. Yeah. You know, yeah. It, it, and I think when you're in the middle of it, you don't know what's happening to you. Yes, you're trying to you survive, right? Not, yeah. You do not. Yeah. And that's a that's a good point. Yeah. George was probably like, not aware of all that he was experiencing, but we look at it from here and watch him make his changes. And
3: right, he he was aware of the fact that posterity was mm-hmm. a factor. That mm-hmm. everything that he was doing whether it be in his written correspondences, his decisions on the battlefield, his political decisions, he was aware that it would be judged down the line Mm. and was at some point, sometimes he would actually act in a way that wasn't his true feelings necessarily, but knew that for posterity's purpose, they were setting precedent. Mm -hmm. That was more so when he became president that this needed to be done because this was, would be the way that it would be done moving forward. Okay. Um, but, in terms of his his idea of God, he wasn't per se um, he doesn't really mention Jesus in in his correspondence. he refers to the Almighty mostly mm. okay. and, uh, as in his written in his writings. But what he did understand was that there was a controlling force, mm-hmm. and that force was God. Mm-hmm. And he was in control of everything I think that's the
2: language of the day Providence God, the Almighty very much so their connection with um, very
3: much so and he he made it a point in terms of worshiping he made it a point to worship in many of the different services many of the different denominations of the time because he felt that there was in a free republic that it was necessary to have religion Mm -hmm. and and morality and those things and that no morality of in a denomination per se was greater than another Mm -hmm. that as long as you were giving thanks and praise to god and worshiping yeah then we're doing what's right
1: yeah and him being at that status is again setting precedence for Mm -hmm. more of a pluralistic very much uh, way moving forward so
0: let's take a quick break and hear what we have coming up at cyprus and the branch church if you haven't gotten a chance to get into a life group, All Church Focus is a great way for you to get into one. Our life groups for this season last for seven weeks, and it's an opportunity for you to meet new people, to talk about God, to get into community. So if you haven't already, go ahead and sign up on cypresschurch.net on the website, or you can contact Carrie, carrie at cypresschurch.net. Finally, you can just sign up for yourself on the church app. So go ahead, get into a community. Let's
1: get back to the episode. Okay, so submission, we've kind of, um, I mean, even I wasn't even expecting the direction you were going, Nick. So I think with that, I guess I'll roll it out there. What do, what am I, what are we talking about when we talk about submission from, from anyone's perspective here? Like, when I say that, it means different things to different people. What do, what do you, what do you think it means? What comes to mind for you, I guess, so that you don't have to pull out your dictionary online, but...
2: The first thing that pops in my mind, I, uh, her name is Betty Coble up at um, the EV Free Church. I always say Swindolls. I don't know the they yeah. right. Um, I remember being in a study with her, and she uh, defined or described submission as uh, like playing tennis. You throw the ball, hit the ball across the net. You're submitting your opinions. You're submitting what you believe. You're, you're putting it out there, and you don't always know what's going to come back. Mm. But it's not um, – it's not – being a doormat so to speak Mm -hmm. but it is um uh it's yeah i think it's putting yourself in the game Mm -hmm. uh, without demanding Mm -hmm. and um to me it's a beautiful place to be because i like to be heard Mm -hmm. but um
3: i also like my relationships
2: (laughs) (laughs)
1: that's good any thoughts from you nick or victor on
3: I, i think it just submission becomes uh and understanding that it's 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 not necessarily about you mm-hmm. that there's things that need to be done mm-hmm. uh that there's there's people out there with needs and in order to fulfill those needs we all need to give something mm-hmm. and we have you know the only thing we can give is ourselves at the end mm-hmm. of the day
1: and yeah. i i love this is great like <laughs> cuz really um the, when we submission is almost a dirty word oh, in a lot of circles, goodness, yes. you know, that it's very much an, an oppressive power play. And I both of your perspectives are really what am I giving from here, which is, I think, beautiful. And and I think that's excellent. Um, again, surprised and a little thrown off on where to go. I but. think
2: sometimes, in, you know, and talks about giving a, a gentle answer, a gentle response. We're surprised that people really hear us you know it doesn't have to be what's happening today which is this bombastic hear me or I'll knock yeah. you out you know yeah. at least that's what I feel like it's kind of careful about how you even talk because you don't know what's going to come back right. but um uh, I think submitting is um, it's just deeply misunderstood mm-hmm. and if we it's the it's the same thing of, of being humble and 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 when uh, he says the meek will inherit through it well that's not somebody's a doormat but it is somebody that recognizes i'm not more important than you mm-hmm. and um but i'm but you're so important that i'm going to tell you what i think you need to hear mm-hmm. and um so uh, yeah submitting as a wife to me is probably the most um uh i think one of the biggest ways to demonstrate what what christianity is literally all about when when the marriage is made uh you know the analogy of christ and and the church uh it shows us that we're all so very important we just have different roles and we have a tendency i think in our society to say that one size fits all or you're out of step you look this way you believe this uh you go to this that type of thing and um there's fear in being different and i I relish being different than Terry we are so different hmm. but in that difference we are extremely powerful
1: yeah you had mentioned an article on I lost the page but I think it was fast company or first Things. Forbes I think Forbes maybe I'm okay not for sure it's okay um about it touched on this because you put it in the right. devotional well it's um, the
2: big picture mm-hmm. I mean often what happens either education kind of bounces off of what's going on in the in the business world i think church bounces off what's going on in in the business or the professional world and um Forbes is talk i mean they're just recognizing the power of the second in command hmm. and um the person that's out there on the forefront whether it's the president of a university they need or whether it's the head coach of a team they need the scouts they need the they need that perspective that those that are not number one guy needs uh, a principal needs a, a vp that has their ear to the ground or a counselor that's working with the staff that keeps us all in tune. And so uh, the second in command is truly uh, a person that, number one, they're making their boss look good. And that that brings them joy. And it's kind of like with parenting, when it works together, you look at what you're producing and it's not about you, it's about what's getting done as Mm -hmm. a team. And um, so it's bringing who you are, It's, it's bringing your perspective to someone that doesn't see it your way but yet half of the world sees it your way and not the leader's way Mm -hmm. so uh if that's done with the goal of of supporting uh it's a very powerful position Mm -hmm. and that's what Forbes is talking about that the leader an outstanding leader has a great person that's second in command that maybe might not be known to the public but if he's at his his retirement party it's that guy that's going to get a lot of accolades yeah and and
1: it's it or that woman.
2: Yeah, <laughs>
1: it speaks to the fact of authority and power is not just positional. That you know what I picked up from what you wrote is that that this is a different kind of power. Influence. Yeah, yeah, yes, yeah. It influence is. is a better word. Yes. Power can, is has kind of a more of a negative well, connotation. I think but influence
2: is extremely powerful. Yeah, it absolutely, changes yeah. lives. Mm-hmm. You know, we want to influence our children without being. Uh, we become less and less their authority and yet our influence we hope becomes continues right kind yeah of thing, so.
0: and that's great um it's so interesting i've learned um in my time as being a leader that i don't want to be a lead well at least in my season right now <laughs> i don't want to be a lead pastor um because i feel like sometimes it there's there's a lot of responsibility and weight mm-hmm. that comes with it, and I recognize mm-hmm. the the cost of that. But also, I feel like sometimes I like, I I could I feel like I get more quote unquote more done, uh more things done, uh as being like more of an associate or being like behind the scenes. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a lot more quote unquote influence that you're talking about, Correct. um because the lead pastor has a more prominent position, and so there's a barrier sometimes that can come from there. But if I'm just the The music guy, then all of a sudden, there's a different way to infiltrate and engage with people. Right,
2: and you think how valuable you are to our lead pastor. Right, you have a a a a sense of the traffic on the ground, you know, and people's real hearts because they are you're hearing it in a more authentic way. And but I think God wires us for that person that's out front uh, knows how to select the the few. That really have his heartbeat, you know, the the team mentality. But um, I don't think everybody's created or designed, and it's a good thing uh, to be the leader, right. you know?
1: Yeah. So, so, submission is a, I mean, I love how we've approached it. What makes it, I guess, in so many people's minds, a dirty word? Difficult, and then. Well, yeah, I'll start there, and then we'll we'll go on from there. So, letting go, mm-hmm.
3: when you submit, you have to you have to let go. You have to relinquish control, and people mm-hmm. people are scared of that, and and rightfully so. Mm-hmm. You, you know, it it forces you to place your trust and first in God, and then in your leadership that they're going to guide you and send you in the right direction and provide you the your for your needs you know mm-hmm. set you up for success but you have to trust and mm-hmm. so it becomes a, a difficult situation you know it, s- some people may have experienced things in their life that just make it that much more of a of a mountain to climb in order to to release and to, to trust mm-hmm. and so they'd rather just put the barrier up be non-submissive and, and walk away unfortunately mm-hmm. I think some of it,
2: too, could be that I think we're not really, you don't hear maybe widespread. I don't know if this might be a general statement, but becoming a Christian, Jesus is our Savior, but it needs to be Savior and Lord. And I think uh, we have hear about this f- sense of free grace. You know, it's it, you do nothing. But the reality is without the Lord part, you miss out on the trust. You miss out on the the, the, the submitting. I mean, when Jesus for to be like Jesus he submitted and what right. because he trusted the father's will mm-hmm. bottom line and i think that's what we're called to do and that comes over growth mm-hmm. you stumble and you, you mess up but the reality is the more you live with Jesus the more you can really you just see god show up and is he's faithful mm-hmm. but like any other relationship it takes time but but that mentality of he is lord uh, he's sovereign. He knows the beginning to the end, and he has my good, my best at heart. Mm-hmm. He's not surprised by anything. It's that kind of stuff that I think makes submitting possible. Yeah, yeah, and and, and the and, world doesn't want to know that there's a God that is in charge.
1: Mm-hmm. Right. Well, we don't want anyone. We I mean yeah. we live. I I have Amazon Prime now, and so I'll I'm right now. I'll find an old album, and I'll listen to it, and it's like there'll be just two songs that are insanely popular popular we had to buy the whole album you know okay. like so you just see this everything can be built around us you know which is awesome mm-hmm. but there's a dark side to it where when we bump up into those things that aren't about us and mm-hmm. i think that's where we have to understand that god knows what's going on here and where we have i think this tremendous advantage or at least we can if we tap into it, of yeah. God, there is a good God who has our best interests yeah. at heart and we can trust him, which means right. I can lay, ad- lay aside what I want right now knowing that he's got something bigger in the long I think that's
2: why it's important to have people of like mind <clears throat> around you. Uh, I mean, you want your, nots, not keeping, preventing you from being out with everybody, but I mean those close folks that when you're in those places of not sure and scared and hurting and whatnot that can remind you that God is, God's not forgotten you, you know? And,
1: um,
0: yeah. I think, uh, one thing that I was thinking of as this question was posed was, um, I think there's an aspect of, uh, abuse of power in our culture Mm. sometimes, Mm. um, especially in the Christian world, all this stuff that's coming out, unfortunately about, um, the scandals, the unfortunate sexual stuff. And, and and I think there's just a dis in, I've read statistics about the millennials or Gen X, uh, Gen Z, how there's just a distrust of leadership, Mm -hmm. um, because of what has happened. And, uh, one statistic I read is that in a lot of ways, um, my generation millennials are afraid to step up into places of leadership because, um, the perception of not wanting to make and failing. So we have this need of being, perfect in all this, hmm. um, but this idea of the fact that we don't want to hurt other people mm-hmm. or we're, we're, we might not also just trust authority because they misuse power, so it's hard to submit to something or someone. Right. Obviously, I think there's an aspect where we can submit to the Lord, um, but just people in general, it's hard to submit to because we don't necessarily trust hmm. or know that they have the best intention for us. It might just be more selfish for them.
1: Right yeah no that that makes perfect sense and i i don't even know that that's a new thing like we have we can think of scandals going back into the 80s and i'm sure they were before then that's just when i mm-hmm. started paying attention but um i think that's why it's critical for us to be focused on the word and yeah and be engaged in community to have that check and you know um i don't do it as much as i used to but this is a good reminder too of like hey if me and the Bible disagree. Go with the Bible every time, you know, that yeah. that's the, and that's really what we need to be focused on. And, uh, but that's, yeah, I, that makes perfect sense. Uh,
2: I think it's the challenge has increased because oh, the word is not the plum for our general society today. Yeah. And so how to do that and submit to God without, um, being belligerent to those or disrespectful? respectful. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, the world's our enemy, so but God says, love your enemy. So there is mm-hmm. nobody out there that um, that disagrees with you that we shouldn't be loving and mm-hmm. and and then in that way, I think that's submission. When you love somebody that isn't kind to you or less familiar that that it could even be verbally abusive because of difference of opinions, mm-hmm. that's that's a submission issue. Is loving?
1: Yeah. Like, and was there anything in the writing, Patsy, that you were like? This was really fun to explore. Or, um...
2: I well, I think um, I think because of my my the way God's gifted me, and I'm a, I'm a talker and out there like to engage, like to talk with people. And if there's something going on in Facebook and I don't think it's right, my first jump is to respond to that. So i have tried to teach myself and require myself to sit on something for a week and see if it's something that really is worth worth mentioning or, or confronting. But um, I think today it's um, – I have a, a bumper sticker. I've never had a bumper sticker, but I've got my first. Well, it's wow. actually in my window on the inside, so I can't take it off when I want to. <laughs> but it, says, it says country over politics. Mm. And I really think that's kind of just a, a little – a microcosm of what we're talking about but it's 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 the big picture and I think sometimes in our hunger to to uh, share the gospel and it's at the exclusion of loving I grew up where that was probably more the focus and um, we just find out that loving really is giving people space and time to ponder and think people don't make change their worldviews overnight we expect them in our you know and so i think i think our whole approach to uh, loving others is changing in a good way need it's Mm. it's requiring us to change in a good way
1: yeah well yeah i mean even going back to colonial times or revolutionary times you have this this shared space of you know washington wanted people to be religious because you had this shared morality and and largely judeo-christian largely christian um and now that's more fragmented so we've moved out of the center so we need to figure out how to love from the margins now um Mm -hmm. or at least gravitating towards the margins and figure out how to make a difference in a different way because it's it's not our turf anymore you know and and that's a
2: wonderful book i just well i'm not quite finished with it but it's called christians in the age of rage I believe. Oh, I, I'm, well, I'm not my, well, it's written by the uh, contributor by yeah. um, Ed Stetzer. He's yeah. a, you know, I'm a Christian. I'm reading it too. Yes. So. It's been, it's, and you know, tw- as I'm getting further in, it's back to the basics. Yeah. It, re- it really is keeping yeah. your head in the word. Yeah. But I think understanding that um, our, our, the reason we've become more marginalized as, a, as an influence in society is if Christian, um, Christian's, maybe 50 years ago could be divided into three groups see if I say this correctly mm-hmm. one group would be the ones that would are truly know Jesus uh, are committed their lives are committed the second one would be one well I was raised in a home that went to church all the time I go to church I'm a Christian I'm, I'm an American right mm-hmm. or um, those that went on Christmas and New Year or New Year that's, that's about with them Christmas or Easter and whatnot. and those latter two segments those two thirds are now more secularized and so their opinions about a lot of things ethically and morality wise are secular and not so you have just this third of what used to claim to be Christian, but they were nominal to begin with. Mm-hmm. and so I don't think those committed Christians have diminished mm-hmm. uh, but we have a we just have a, a more clear to me the playing fields much more clear mm-hmm. you know and uh, if you have some things that knock up against culture, how to do that and love and yet hold your ground? I think I shared a quote about from Jim Elliott. I don't have my glasses on. I stick them on and I can. No, I can't. Maybe you can read it if you can see it. But it's really a prayer of mine. Here it is. Can you read? Is that the
1: um, Lord? Give me firmness without hardness, steadfastness without dogmatism, love without weakness. Wow. That's great.
2: Yeah, that's submission, is it not? It's staying, it's staying true to the word, but not demanding and not mm-hmm. um, using our authority in a in an abusive way yeah. that uh, does more harm than good.
1: Yeah. Will you were saved? Mm-hmm. As you said, a sophomore
2: in high school. Yes. How'd that happen? Uh. Well, there's a song we just sang at my mother's memorial that uh, talked about you. You sought me. I think that's a God. God came after me, and I do believe that in Colossians um, one I think it's one nineteen one thirteen says you rescued me out of the uh, domain of darkness and brought me into the kingdom of the Son whom you love who mm-hmm. there's forgiveness in Jesus Patsy's paraphrase, but I really do feel God came after me, I was in a happy home, I was a good student hmm. well liked at school, whatever no so life life was good mm-hmm. and uh, uh, uh uh, bible believing um, minister of education came to our more liberal church and uh, we always went to my dad would ask us what'd you learn at sunday school and we'd to say something because he threatened to come so he had a heart <laughs> he had a heart that we learned but we didn't hear the gospel hmm. and so there was a uh, fall retreat of about oh, maybe a 100 kids or so and the first time the gospel was shared that uh, jesus it, you become a christian you had the right to become children of god uh that he and you know it's uh he's he, for god so loved the world that he gave his only that whoever believes and so that being a choice and it scared me to death upsetting my apple cart of a comfortable life and so he in his wisdom offered um a bible study once a week that year and i i went and the Tuesday before Easter, so I really didn't understand my sinful nature. What I understood was that this is what the Bible said, and that this is the truth, I, I need to do this. Mm. And as I've grown, <laughs> I recognize my sinfulness. <laughs> but in the beauty of this, God saved all my family within about six months, of each other all differently. I found out my mother accepted the Lord in the living room with Billy Graham, crusade on tv Mm -hmm. Uh, and those that was in so that fall that spring when i accepted the lord that fall i mean that summer uh, a christian family my dad knew because of work asked us to a bible study and we went through the book of daniel for the first time of an in-depth study ah blew our minds away (laughs) and um then we started a church we were part of a group that started a church back in columbus and it now is thousands so and then the next year my dad uh, went off to seminary i'd say maybe well that was I was a sophomore and so i went away to college and my sophomore year he came over to seminary so he was 45 left a he was an engineer a b c you know kind of guy (laughs) and um they uprooted and came over seminary and our whole lives were changed so that's great
1: Mm -hmm. nick what about you because you have a story as well
3: yeah um i, I didn't was, prepare
1: you guys for this but no, i fine i think it um, kind of fits with that
3: i was raised catholic and did all the sacraments and first communion and confirmation um but in junior high eighth grade i believe um I, my uncle invited me to spend my summer here in, in Orange County, and I said, yeah, sounds great. It's better, you know, <laughs> yeah. better than hanging out in Connecticut for the summer. So I came, and he had been going to uh, Bible study. He had only been saved a few years before that, and, and he'd been going to Bible study at uh, Pacific Coast Calvary Chapel in mm-hmm. Seal Beach at the time with Pastor Ron Wilkins. And he just said, hey, I'm, I'm going to Bible study tonight. You want to go? And I said that, yeah, okay, that sounds fun. <laughs> so I went, and I believe they were knee deep in the book of Isaiah. Hmm. And Pastor Ron Wilkins is just going line by line with Scripture and explaining things in a way that I had never heard in my life. And there was something to this. And so I got excited and I was like, okay, Uh, I started going every Wednesday. And then, uh, the end of summer came and my uncle said, Hey, uh, you know, you're going home now, but we should, we should continue our study. So let's study the book of Proverbs. And we did, and he's here in California and I'm in Connecticut, but we exchanged, uh, I think maybe via mail actually. Mm. Uh, Wow. Wow. Yeah. Right, right, right. And, um, and everything just changed it was mm. it was it was an eye opening experience that uh kind of some of the things that I'd been taught up to that point were i mean somewhat in not necessarily incorrect, but I wasn't being guided in the right direction, so to speak mm. and so the truth of Jesus being our Savior needing him in our life uh became a reality, and there was no looking back and 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 even you know here we are. 18 19 years later whatever it may be there's there's this sense of awe yeah. and a sense of um the fact that 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 God chose me yes to reveal this truth to be given this understanding it's just mind blowing hmm. it truly is it's yeah. truly mind blowing and there's there's a need to I think that's that's what gravitates me to children's ministry is that there's a need for, in my mind, as many children to hear this message as early as possible. Mm. That Jesus loves you, that Jesus wants to save you, and that he wants a relationship, and he wants to love you. He wants to be with you. He wants to walk with you through this, this difficult thing called life. Yeah this is remarkable. That's great.
2: I'd venture to say if we made it optional, so kids could choose if, you know, at elementary age, even high, middle school age, if there was a a Bible study going on or something that most kids would a lot of kids would choose to go. And I think it would change our culture in a minute if we mm-hmm. just made it a, an an offer there mm-hmm. at school.
1: Yeah. 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 That's great. I think our time's about up. Oh. Uh so Hopefully this wasn't too painful. You guys were fantastic. That this was, was so much fun. I, I just as a closing thought that one of the the passages we we just preached on it, but it's this idea that um, for to this you've been called because Christ also suffered for you, mm-hmm. leaving you an, leaving you an example so that you might follow in His steps. And I think that when we talk about submission and the fact that you know there's something in us that kind of has us stiffen our neck to that and not want to do that. I'm always encouraged by the idea that Jesus went first that Jesus mm-hmm. you know and, and you already touched on this Patsy but that he submitted to the plans of the father mm-hmm. uh, not unwillingly but it's still submission and that's I think the call to us is that when we submit to whatever it happens to be that that's one of the ways we follow in the steps of Jesus so
2: thank you guys and it's a privilege if we looked oh, at it that yeah. you know we it's just so Against our nature, yeah. you know, it's that fight that you have, yeah. you know, with your spirit. Flesh, yeah, yeah,
1: mm-hmm. yeah. Maybe we get a privilege of serving the king. So,
2: I think. Can I add one thing? Go that, ahead. That's yeah. the way my If kids not, would Victor, Victor edit it later. <laughs> we hang up. <laughs> we hang up, and in two seconds, I'll end up calling back, and they they all expect it, you know. But um, you're gonna have to edit this. I can't remember what I was gonna say.
3: <laughs> <laughs>
0: well, thanks for joining us. Patsy and Nick. Thank you. It was such a good time to be able to hear about George Washington, about your lives, about submission. Um, if you're just listening to the first time, uh, welcome. Uh, we also have our sermons, our devo, so get into the Word, read the Bible, get into the devotional. And at the end of our All Church Focus, we're going to have a ministry fair to learn a little bit more about in our church, uh, in our, in our two campuses, what unique ministry opportunities and service opportunities are there for you as a listener, as a church goer to be able to get involved into. Um, and so look, keep on the lookout for that. Uh, it's a great way for you guys to learn submission cause and sacrifice, <laughs> right? Yes. Um, as leaders, uh, I think all of you guys know, um, the big thing for us, uh, as leaders is actually a lot more sacrifice and submission than we might think, uh, than, giving orders or and there's joy in it yes there, there really is, is. right yeah. so come join us on that and thank you for listening to the podcast if you have any feedback you can leave a comment um you can email me victor at cypresschurch.net if you like this let us know all right see you guys next week thank you